What's going on, everybody? It's Dan here with The Fastest 40. We got episode 19 coming at you for season two. We're going to talk NFL offseason. I got my man Trey here, as always. Hey, How are you doing, Trey? What's going on, everybody? <laughs> what's going on? Feels good to be back. Feels good to be back. Let's get after Dan offseason. Here we go. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we got a special guest, too, my boy Austin Shockley. So he's going to give you that Rams perspective on the Super Bowl. So let's get hyped. 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, you know I could run the fastest 40, fast, 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 heard about it, now they asking for me, got it, now they asking for me, you know I could run the fastest 40, 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 you know I could run all right, everybody, you should know the drill by now. We're going to do these pregame stretches. These are brought to you by CS Designs. Our friend Corey Sanders always does it big for us in the graphic game. Putting together all of our social media content, whether it's, you know, the logo, whether it's some of the merchandise, basically anything that you see with the Fastest 40s branding, that's all courtesy of our friend Corey Sanders at CS Designs. So check him out, www.coreysandersdesigns.com. He's also got an Instagram, it's at CS Designs Official, where you can see what he's been able to do for some other companies out there, whether it's web design, videography, photography. The guy does offer you a full service option to get your brand out to whatever target market that you may have. So check him out again, www.coreysandersdesigns.com. All right, first stretch. We're going to go right into Super Bowl 56, recapping it. It was a little bit ago now. We've had enough time to sort of digest what happened that Sunday. As a Chiefs fan, I have now sort of gotten over the fact that we weren't playing in the big game. Not a, you know, I, I, we won't dive too deep into that. Yeah. <laughs> but but let's talk a little bit about this game. I mean, starting with the halftime show, it was electric. Yeah, I absolutely. Was, I was loving that show. Yeah, that's got to be the best one that I think I've personally seen. I mean. Looking back, the last, I've only really paid attention probably the last couple of years, but looking back, you know, 15 years or so, I mean, that's got to be the best one, you know, even though that's probably out of our era, they say, right. you know, <laughs> but that, that that's still music we listen to. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just to see it, I think the best part was that it wasn't like all new rap because I can see how maybe that wouldn't resonate with everybody. This is stuff from like the 90s and early 2000s and and it wasn't all rap. I mean Mary J Blige was up there singing right, her ass right. off. So um I mean I was I was just Megan and I were out here watching the game, my fiance and we were pretty much it looked like we were in a concert pit just jumping around singing yeah. the songs during the show. <laughs> I had the TV turned up to like 85 on the volume. It was awesome. Yeah, it was that a good was, night. Yeah, that was fun. It, it it feels like they're trying to get a the same crowd that watches the Super Bowl anyways, right? So the last couple of years, it feels like they've been trying to draw in a, a separate crowd. Mm -hmm. And wh why not entertain the crowd that you already have that want to be a part of what you already have and and try to make something of that? So that was that was my biggest take. That's what I enjoyed. Absolutely. What did you think of that halftime? 
Yeah, I mean, I thought um, I thought it was like you guys were saying it was electric. They came out with a couple big names. Fifty hit right off the bat, um, and and to your guys' point, you know, fifty. Yeah, I forgot about that. Dude. They uh, they were able to capture uh, a lot of genres and a huge crowd. You know, if you were twenty or if you were fifty, you were into that halftime show. Hundred percent. And uh, it was one of the better ones that I've seen in the last handful of years. I mean, there are a couple iconic ones, but I think this goes right up there at the top. Absolutely, I, I totally agree. Yeah. So the the Rams are now two and three in their Super Bowl appearances, which they've done five up to this point, which I think is kind of surprising when you consider. All of the down periods that they've had as a team, whether it was the you know post uh, Kurt Warner and Mark Bolger years in St. Louis, or whether it was the uh, pre Eric Dickerson years, like kind of in between, like Deacon Jones and that era. So you know, I'm just I'm just kind of surprised that they had so many appearances, and really we've only seen them win uh, a two in our lifetime in '99, the greatest show on turf, and then this most recent one. Um, so I don't know. When I was kind of doing research prepping for the Super Bowl, that was the most surprising thing to me was that this was their fifth time around, which, you know, for most teams, that's a lot. <laughs> that's that's more than what I'd say that the average is for, oh, yeah. for NFL franchises. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when I was uh, looking at that, I was kind of shocked as well. But I think a stat that I've been more interested in since the Chiefs just won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago is how many teams – um, have won Super Bowls, and of those teams, how many Super Bowls have they won, right? So you got a, this group of teams that has won, you know, the, their one Super Bowl, and that's what every fan clings to, that one right. Super Bowl back in 79 or whenever it was, and everybody's <laughs> dad talks about it. That was us for so long. Yeah, right, yeah, right. <laughs> so that that's what kind of brings me to my point is it's exciting to see teams get that doubled or that second uh super bowl and it's not the new england patriots that we're watching getting you know 17 super bowls right. or whatever it may be so um even though it's not the chiefs it, i think it's it is still exciting to see a team get another super bowl instead of you know the Bengals. yeah you know, which getting zero <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean uh being from st louis you know uh we were uh we we were in it whenever we were super young so i don't you know fully remember that that 99 2000 season or when i was there but not mm-hmm. into the fandom yet and then really fandom for a lot of us starts at that six seven eight year old range and, oh yeah and that was 2001 whenever tom brady beat the rams in a, in a yeah. huge upset so um, and then kind of mm. 2018 was a, a bitter year because they had that the wound was still super fresh for everybody in St. Louis. Uh, so nobody that I knew wanted them to win. <laughs> and uh, this year was was kind of a fresh take. You know, uh, a lot of people in St. Louis have come to terms that the Rams are gone. It doesn't help the situation. Everyone there still hates Stan Kroenke. I mean, yeah. everyone, I think, still dreams of, of him being run over by a bus. And <laughs> I know I've dreamt it a dozen times, and every time I'm driving the bus. But, <laughs> but the, the, the way it's gone now, this season was a little different, and that, that, that wound is healed a little bit. And it was nice to see fresh faces. For this Super Bowl, I felt like a no-lose situation. You've got the Bengals, who haven't been there, and how many years like 30 30 40 yeah. years and the rams who haven't won in a while stafford finally got his chance and played huge throughout all of the playoffs so if you were a stafford fan um i've personally really like mcveigh 
Uh, I like his coaching style and his demeanor. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot to cheer for in the game, and and uh, it ended up being a, a really great one. Yeah, I mean, I I totally. Uh, you know, it's funny the from the last St. Louis Rams roster in like 2015 was it? Um, Aaron Donald is one of the few players left on the team from that roster, and he was able to get a ring. I mean, maybe the punter. Was, yeah, was yeah, on right. the team we're, we're looking at Johnny Hecker and, yeah. <laughs> and Aaron Donald. Um, and it was obviously great to see an athlete of Aaron Donald's status get that win and, mm-hmm. and close the game out. Um, but, that, that you know, it's it's so different now being a, an ex-Rams fan that that 2015 roster is almost all gone where I could name everybody on the roster eight years ago. Right that's no longer what that team looks like the offensive yep. line's completely revamped defense is completely flipped right um obviously the fresh face with stafford um bringing in obj it was uh it was the la style they they spent the dough and, and ended up, <laughs> yeah. it ended up <laughs> yeah, playing yeah, out yeah. for them no doubt so no you doubt. said ex rams fan is that is that official no no more no longer a rams fan yeah uh so i mean it was probably the 2017 2018 season that year they went to the super bowl um i I'd, I'd kind of stepped away i was a closet fan those first two years they were gone <laughs> because it being such a big fan, I knew they were on the come up. Like when they left, it was still a losing season, but you had Gurley in place, you had Goff in place, uh, McVay was coming in. Um, you'd <clears> revamp <throat> the offensive line. Gurley was going rushing for a rushing title or in the mix. Yep. Um, so you saw where it was going. It was too hard to not be at right. least silently root for them. But then about 2018, that season, I. I kind of ripped away and just played my my sports bets and my fantasy team, <laughs> um, and it's it will you know I still haven't declared a team. Um, there's a couple of young QBs that I really like to follow, uh, but it's, I think it's time that I'm I'm going to jump in on a team. And right now, looking at like uh, unfortunately for Chiefs Nation, Justin Herbert's easy to root for, Joe Burrow's easy to root for, <laughs> yeah. Josh Allen easy to root for. AFC, um, AFC, AFC. Yeah, yeah. The, the young AFC QBs are, are crazy right now. And, yeah, yeah, they are. Um, looking at those squads, I mean, uh, I, I more <clears throat> love the Bills Mafia mindset, so that's where I'm leaning. Yeah. Uh, purchased <laughs> my first Josh Allen jersey. My oh, first oh, it's over. It's over. Purchased my first first NFL jersey in five years. It was. Josh Josh Allen. Wow. Yeah, it's um, over. And and may or may not have drunkenly jumped through a table. I was okay, say, yeah, I was going to say, that's the next. The yeah. already happened, but it's going to continue to go through. All right. Now all, all right. you got to do is, like, just live in the snow for a year, and then you'll be a total Buffalo fan. Yeah, I, I don't know if I can do that. I, I hate the cold, you know, but uh, I'll travel up to Buffalo, hopefully, like, once a year going yeah, forward, yeah, and, yeah. and that's about all I need. I, I will say, you know, as a Chiefs fan, I do respect Bills Mafia. I oh, mean, yeah. Chiefs Kingdom, in my mind, is one of the greater fandoms because we were packing the house before Andy Reid was even our coach. You know, sellout crowds when we're going two and fourteen, four and twelve, shit like that. Now, Bills Mafia was doing the same thing <laughs> before they had Josh Allen. They were breaking tables and wearing Buffalo hats and all that crazy stuff, and we. We have the uh, what's the the print on the pants Zubies or something like that or oh hell I don't um, know the Chiefs you know the Chiefs zebra print kind of pants yeah, that they yeah, wear yeah. the Bills have the same style as us so I feel like we're kind of on the same wa- same wavelength as far as like the passion of our fan bases and even just some of the history of the team I mean we're both AFL franchises too so 
I've always come to respect the Bills, and so I think, you know, even though you're not choosing the Chiefs, you're making a, a good choice. And I think the Chiefs are going to have some great, great matchups with the Bills for the next 10 years, especially, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. considering who their quarterback is, Josh Allen. No I mean, brainer. They're pretty freaking no solid. Brainer. Yeah, I think it'll be super fun. I had the hardest time, uh, obviously, when the Rams left. You know, there was the I-70. It wasn't a, a standard rivalry. Yeah. But you didn't like the Chiefs by any means. And I spent <laughs> 18 years with that mindset, and it was super tough being from St. Louis a solid 50% of Rams fans just jumped on the Chiefs bandwagon and there was nothing worse than for a few years hearing people in St. Louis root for the Chiefs and not even know who Patrick Mahomes was that's an issue you know I can't do that I can't succumb to that I'm I am a big Patty Mahomes fan I think what he does is is super unique and deserves a ton of respect uh, obviously, Chiefs Kingdom, one of the best fan bases in football. And, uh, oh, stop. So, yeah. yeah <laughs> but I just couldn't end up making that jump for me. And uh, so I'm, I'm planting the flag, I guess. Yeah. Right, right on. Uh, you're making a good choice. I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think it's a bad decision by any means. Um, you know, it, your team left you. It's not like you're just jumping the bandwagon for shits and gigs. Like, I don't know what I would do if we were left without Kansas City, the, yeah. the Chiefs. You I think know? it would be similar for me. I would be fucking salty if the Chiefs left Kansas City. Oh, like yeah, I'd my, be rooting against You them. know, like your, your, your wife left you and went to a different city and married some other dude, you know? You're <laughs> like, you're not going to be happy about that. That's got to be how You have to break it off at feels. some point, right? So Yeah, there was a, a huge void, obviously. Like, it was fun to, to root for my bets and fun to root for my fantasy team. Uh, there came players and teams along the line, like the Titans and Derrick Henry definitely got some serious consideration. <laughs> uh, you know, Justin Herbert's been leading my fantasy team two seasons in a row, and I was a former Ladanian Tomlinson fan. I was so too. So uh, the, the Chargers made a good run for it, um, but kind of to, to Dan's point, like the, the idea of Bill's Mafia is really what sold it. It was a fan base that's been there through tough times, um, and then you're looking at a young roster, and, and Josh Allen is super fun to watch. Right, um, yeah. Oh, so yeah. They've got a lot of pieces now. So I've already got a lot of flack that I'm a bandwagoner, and people can continue to say that. I really don't care. <laughs> um, I'll still I'll still put the, the fan-first mentality out there, and hopefully, you know, 20 years down the line, they'll drop the, yeah. the hashtag. <laughs> it'll, it'll become, uh, you know, just another thing. It's like, oh, yeah, Austin's a, you know, Bills fan. That's just kind of what it is. Now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just start telling people you're from, you're from Buffalo or something. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, my dad. Dad was a Bills fan. That's my favorite. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, my yeah. favorite excuse. Yeah. Like, yeah, my dad was just my a huge papa. fan. Yeah. <laughs> my papa loved the Bills back in '93. You he know, was a big they Bills lost fan. that fourth Super Bowl. But <laughs> yeah, one of the first things one of my buddies from work, I was like, dude, I think I'm jumping on the Bills bandwagon. He's like, dude, you got to buy an OJ Simpson jersey. And I was like, I'm not doing that. Not a good look. <laughs> that is Cold take. That is actually step three to becoming an official fan. So. <laughs> You might have to do that. Oh, no. <laughs> so, let's bring it back to the Super Bowl. Cooper Cup won the Super Bowl MVP. I think it's the MVP he should have got for the league. They were kind of giving him some due for that. I think the MVP of Super Bowl should have been Aaron Donald. I think we mind. see the MVP of the Super Bowl. I think it's – they always – it doesn't – they say they don't, but they look at what you've done all season, oh, right? Yeah. You can look at Pat Mahomes from when we won the Super Bowl. You could have easily argued that Damian Williams could have, should have gotten the MVP for the Super Bowl, totally right? Totally agree. So I think it, it's a it's a look at, hey, what have you done? And maybe it's just the postseason, or maybe it's the whole season. 
Um, but I, I don't think they just look at the Super Bowl. But Cooper Cup absolutely deserved um, the MVP for the Super Bowl. Um, he's definitely in the run. I'm yeah, not yeah, he he's wasn't a stud, like, dude. Deserving. I'm I, just looking at that last play and seeing Aaron Donald. Yeah, true. <laughs> but I think uh, look at stats. I, uh, for me, is uh, look at stats for a defensive player, the last defensive player to win the MVP, right? Vaughn Miller. So mm-hmm. Vaughn Miller's game. Um, and that Super Bowl with the Broncos was, pro- I don't want to say twice what um, Aaron Donald's was you know, a couple weekends ago, but it was, you know, that much better as far as production yeah. in numbers um, from what Aaron Donald's was. Yeah, my I my think, view. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 you're up. Uh, yeah, I think Cooper Cub did deserve it. Um, you know, you can get hyped up on, on what Aaron Donald did, and he played a fantastic game, and he closed out the game. And you end the game on that super high note. Uh, but for like to, to Trey's point, uh, a defensive player to win MVP, it's it's almost like a fumble recovery has to happen. A, yeah. a touchdown has to happen. Uh, something big right. has to, yeah. to line up that was a huge momentum swing, which Donald definitely played a huge part. But uh, Cooper Cup to uh, pick up the slack when OBJ went out, scored two touchdowns. Um, for a guy and, and a team to, to run a play that everyone in the stadium knew they were running, somehow he still gets open and still gets the ball delivered. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think everybody was super happy to see Eli Apple get burned. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to just get toasted the whole game yeah. and then to end the game and not end it, but to to, to give up that, that touchdown, <laughs> everyone in the you know that was either a Chiefs fan or an Eli Apple hater was like, this couldn't be better. Oh, man, I was living for it. You have no idea. Like, the, the smile I have on my face right now, just kind of, like, talking about it, that's how I looked just sitting on the couch. I probably looked evil, like I was planning something. But just, like, oh, my God, watching all of the poetic justice just unfold in that Super Bowl as Eli Apple just got torture every receiving touchdown. In all of those still frames, if you look at all of those touchdowns, you're seeing number 20, Apple, in the nearest vicinity of that receiver, whether he was guarding OBJ when he was going off in the first half or whether it was Cooper Cup on the game-sealing touchdown, it was him. And he deserved all the slander after all the shit oh, he yeah. talked about the Chiefs. Um, and, and obviously, he talks a lot more shit behind closed doors because ex-teammates... Uh, division rivals for the Ravens, you know, all these guys are coming out of the woodwork just bashing this guy. I'm surprised he didn't delete his Twitter, but he went out and said something like, I'm using this as Yeah, fuel. I'm hungry now or some <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah, right. Shut the fuck up. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't stand that guy. Good luck coming back from it, man. I mean, he uh, he continues to to put uh, put his, mu- his mouth out there, but the money hadn't answered yet. No, no, no. <laughs> so, Bengals... Now they're 0-3 in all of their Super Bowl appearances. They lost the first two appearances to the 49ers, led by Joe Montana. And now Matthew Stafford and the Rams took care of business against him as well. They're one of just three teams to lose three or more Super Bowls, joining the Bills. Mm. Sorry about that. And the Minnesota Vikings, who have lost three as well. That's tough. That's tough to get there three times yeah. and not win. Yeah. Three. Well, times? And for a lot of Bengals fans, it's been for so. It's been so long. You know, they've been waiting since what? What was? I think I popped seventy nine out of my head it earlier. Was, just uh, blowing smoke. Eighty eight was the last. Okay, one. yeah. So eighty eight. That's a long time, man. I oh, mean, yeah. we weren't alive. You know, that's yeah. a that's a long I think time. Seventy nine was their first appearance. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I saw that in the pregame or something yeah. somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it popped out of nowhere. I don't know where it came from, but um, I, I mean, looking for the looking into the future for Bengals fans, uh, you're solid at the quarterback and you're solid at the receiver position, right? But you get some work to do as far as the front line, and I know we're kind of jumping ahead a little little bit here, but. Um, you know, is this team built for the long run? Do they have the tools that they need to, you know, be that team that's always going to play Pat Mahomes in the AFC Championship or the um, divisional divisional round, you know, or or Josh Allen or whoever it may be or Justin right. Herbert? Um, yeah, I'm not sure they're built for it. They might. I'm not going to say they're going to be a one and done, but they'll be a, a a contender for sure in the AFC every year. But um, we said the same thing about. Um, I guess not technically the same thing, but something similar about Lamar Jackson. You know, that yeah. team was going to dominate for the next five, ten years, and they didn't even make the playoffs this year, right? So yeah. um, thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, when it comes to protecting Joe Burrow, that's 100% got to be their first priority this offseason because we saw what happened when he got hurt his rookie season. Um, not that they were having a fantastic season by any means to start, but um, they didn't win shit after he got knocked out. And if you're looking at the Bengals, what they're going to have to do is compete with first-class teams next season. They're going to have to face all of the division leaders in the AFC. They're going to face other teams that made the playoffs. Last year, they got a schedule that was a lot more friendly to their team because of where they finished in 2020. So things are going to be a little bit different where they're going to be playing the premier competition in the NFL moving forward, the Josh Allens, the Mahomes, the Lamar Jacksons, and Herberts. Those are going to be regular occurrences if they're going to keep winning games. Right, which could either make or break you, right? Because right. we see Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen play every every year now, whether it's in the playoffs or the, or the regular season. They're playing twice a year now. They might as well be <laughs> divisional pl- uh, opponents <laughs> exactly. at this point, you know what I mean? Um, as far as the Bengals, their division's not easy, right? You're in year out. You're going to have to play Pittsburgh right. with Ben or without Ben. I don't care who you are, but you're, you still got to play Mike Tomlin. And right. Pittsburgh's going to be tough. you got to play Baltimore twice a year. So, I mean, things aren't easy for them. No. Yeah, I think uh, I think if you're a Bengals fan, you have to end this season on, on somewhat of a high note. You know, you go on a 30-plus year hiatus, and uh, you've got a, a quarterback, I think probably younger than us, that's that's leading your team. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's definitely an upside there, but I think both of you guys mentioned it. The protecting him and getting the offensive line figured out has got to be priority number one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a lot of pieces. They've got a pretty good defense, uh, but they're going to have a tougher road. Um, good thing about Joe Burrow is he's seemingly to to show up, and every time there's been a big game, there's there's been a Joe Burrow throw or a play. Yep, yep, he's sure he's has. definitely made for the lights. Um, I think they're in, in a good spot going forward. I don't think you know they're they're built for a dynasty at this point. Um, they've played their their division really really well uh, since Joe Burrow took the helm, but mm-hmm. that's going to start getting more and more attention. You know, the Ravens have had their eyes on Pittsburgh for the last five years, and the Bengals are the new up and comers, and right. they're going to start yep. getting more prep time, more eyes on them. Uh, I, the The Ravens definitely know that they lost both games to the Bengals last oh, yeah. year, uh, and they're taking that with a with a grain of salt coming into next year. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited to see how the Bengals react to the Super Bowl loss and how they grow as a team. Uh, they definitely need to to protect that that jo- uh, Joey money though. 
Absolutely. And you said something that I kind of want to touch on. You know, we, we know now that Joe Burrow is made for the lights. And I, I'm really hoping that, you know, with him losing the Super Bowl, I'm really glad that they're not going to, it's not going to be the summer of Joe Burrow on all of the sports outlets and everything just constantly in your face. But one narrative I think would be foolish to push is that the moment was too big for him. Because I really don't think that was the reasoning why they lost the Super Bowl. It was obvious that the offensive line did not play up to snuff and protect him well enough. We saw even on that last play when Aaron Donald dragged him to the ground, J Jalen Ramsey slipped uh, guarding Jamar Chase on that fly route. He had an opportunity to throw that game-winning touchdown to him. So, you know, I don't think it's any fault of Joe Burrow's why they lost that game. I mean, he played through an MCL sprain the last quarter of that game. So he's a tough kid. He's a competitor. Um, I think he's a little arrogant at times, a little cocky. Um, but when you're that fucking good, I guess you can be, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I always like uh, like to see a quarterback out there with a with a little bit of swagger to him, a little bit of arrogance. <laughs> it was uh, it was almost fun to see like Tom Brady leave New England and get to Tampa Bay, and then turn into to Tampa Bay Tom and yeah. <laughs> start to have that arrogance to him. I started liking so, Tom Brady and Tampa. Yeah, 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 it was it was wild. Like you know, he he is the guy who made the Rams franchise go down so fast so i hated tom brady for years and then he went to Tampa bay and i was like i still hate this guy and then yeah. like 12 months in you're like is tom brady cool like, yeah. what's right. going on it's like yeah. shit is he is he all right <laughs> it's like you know and i can resonate with that too our train it probably can too our team being in the afc having to come across him every year we make the playoffs you know him or manning it was like damn yeah, this guy's right. Always killing us. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's, crushing dreams, man. <laughs> just murdering us. So you know, it's <clears throat> it's it's nice to see that he's out of the league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, For now, everyone, that's a collective opinion. You yeah. Know? Like it was good. It was good while it lasted. It was great to see him break all those records and be part of that. That was the quarterback that we all got to see. Right. But uh, I think it's it's a collective opinion. We're we're ready to see some some new faces in the Super yes. Bowl and, and let's get yes. some some young blood in there. <laughs> So, I mean, the last question, it's always funny, the team that loses the Super Bowl, one of my favorite sayings that always gets tossed around is, oh, they'll be back. Oh, they'll definitely be back. So I guess my question is, which one of these teams is most likely to go back uh, next? I got to say the Rams, yeah. uh, personally. I, I think uh, Joe Burrow's got too many obstacles to jump through next year, or for the next 10 years, I guess you could say. Um, with the strength of the AFC, and I think there's too much hunger on the AFC side. Um, so I think the Rams definitely have a better chance, and especially with Tom Brady not being back in the mix next year. There goes one opponent they don't have to worry about, right? One GOAT yeah. they don't have to worry about. Um, so I think the road to the Super Bowl is much easier for the NFC, um, for sure, moving forward. Let's say the next five years, you know, you know, a lot can happen in five years, injuries, trades, whatever it may be. Um, so I, my pick's the Rams. I, I agree. Um, the AFC is super hungry. I think we're going to see a whirlwind of teams get to that that Super Bowl level here in the next, probably, like you're saying, five seasons. Uh, I think the Rams definitely have a better shot. If they can restructure a couple deals, retain the majority of the team they've got here, that will be a stronghold in the NFC. Uh, Semi-weak NFC at this point. I mean, right. They're the majority of the competition they're facing is in their own division. Yeah, so I was just the, about to say that. The good thing about their team and their schedule is they're playing good teams more than half the season. 
Uh, they're going to have a hard schedule going forward, but they're going to be prepared, and, and they've got a really rock-solid head coach that I don't think is going anywhere. Oh, yeah. McVay, I, I know you said it earlier. I mean, how can you not like that guy? He's, he's, he's just a player's coach, and any of those kind of guys, when you see them leading the team, uh, you got to you know feel for them, and then it's easy to root for them. But I agree with what you guys said. I think the Rams definitely are most likely team to, uh, of the two to get back to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, you're looking at the NFC; is it is going to be weaker this year, especially if Aaron Rodgers moves on. Um, Tom Brady's obviously gone. Kyler Murray's disgruntled. Russell Wilson, you know, we don't know what's going on with him. So there's a lot of question marks in the NFC for sure. But the one thing the Rams can count on is that uh, you know they'll they'll likely be able to retain that core group uh, for sure. So. Let's move into some some offseason talk and some some different things that are kind of going on here. Uh, I want to start with the officiating. So, I mean, I just saw a ton of inconsistencies this year, and the coaches and players, they don't get a right to talk about right. how shitty it was. Um, so it's really on us to, to be their voice and, and speak that opinion <laughs> yeah. for them. Yeah, no, very good point. Um, <laughs> it's not just this year, though. We've seen a yeah. steady decline the last three years of consistent officiating. And uh, whether we think it's it's the proper calls or it's not the proper calls, the point is it's not consistent, right? If you want to call a game in the AFC, you want to let the boys play, you know you're not going to call it for the first three quarters. You're going to call those calls in the last quarter. That's bullshit. But at the same point, and I know understand there's two different crews, if you're going to call make, make calls in the AFC championship – we should see the same calls in the NFC Championship. Yeah. And we should see the same calls week in and week out throughout the regular season as well. Um, to your, your your second point that we're their voice um, and that the, the coaches and the players can't say shit about the officiating is bullshit. So let's bring the officiating crew into media day and bring them <laughs> into the uh, post-game press conference and they can say whatever they want or they can rebuttal whatever, you know, Pat Mahomes or Tyreek right. Hill or Andy Reid's got to say about their officiating. And, you know, it might turn into a bickering kind of a deal, but at least we have some sort of an equal playing field because right now the officiating is one tier ahead of everybody else in the NFL. Then you got Roger Goodell, who just sucks ass anyways. <laughs> um, so the officiating is awful. It's got to come down. They got to meet somewhere in the middle with the coaches and the um, the players. Um, this is by far the most frustrating part for the NFL right now for me as a fan is the officiating. Yeah, and I, I really like your point about the media. So, I mean, if they were to come in, like, it doesn't even have to be a debate between the coaches and the players, but if they were to answer the questions from the media, right. like if the media says, hey, you know, you made that call on third and long that Absolutely. got so-and-so a first down and put them in a field goal range to win the game, why did you make that call? Right. Why did you make that justification? Right. And that's what's so shitty about a lot of these flags that are called is it's all judgment calls. It's all based on your perspective of how you felt in that moment in time. And I think that's just total bullshit. And, Agreed. and here's the thing. like You can make a bad call. It's going to happen. Right. But when you know it's a bad call, that's when New York and the rest of that crew that's managing these officiating crews needs to get involved and say, hey, you fucked up. Switch that around. Right. Do the right, right thing here. Yeah. So they got certain rules on certain plays and certain downs and certain you know whether it's a scoring play or it's not or it's within two minutes of the the, the half that New York can get involved. 
So if they're going to be involved, then completely get New York involved and, and make make sure they they are making the right calls instead of, hey, well, the game only matters within the last two minutes of the first half and the second half. That's all we give a shit about. That's horse shit, right? Because a lot happens outside of those two minutes. So um, that's a great point. I, I, I like that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely got to a point. We've seen the number of flags thrown increase season over season. Is it five years in a row now? Yeah. And it's gotten to a point where the NFL is going to have to step in. The the leadership in the NFL, whether it's the, the referee, we talked a little bit before the show, whether it's the referee union, whoever is, is accountable, there's going to have to be a meeting of the parties and there's going to have to be some sort of, I think the only option is an incorporation of extended training or some level of accountability. Like if, if these crews or, or particular refs are consistently throwing too many flags or making incorrect calls, there's got to be some way to hold them accountable. Um, I think it's you know a great idea for the media to be able to talk to the refs, but there's also got to be some interference from the NFL as a company uh, to have a vested interest in, in who they're putting out there, how they're being held accountable, how they're being trained. Uh, to, to your point, the, the consistencies of calling between games. Um, you can't be, you know, tic-tac, pass interference calls in this AFC game and then go to the NFC and they're, they're ripping people to the ground. Like, there's got to be some level of accountability and consistency throughout all of it. I mean, it's a, a glaring issue. So it's, it's really everyone looking now at the NFL like, what are you going to do? Right, right, right. Agreed. And here's the thing, too, that really bothers me is the players and coaches, they can get fined. Right. The refs, when they F up, they're not getting fined. They're not getting any kind of reprimands. I mean, we saw one, I guess you could say, in the playoffs. Jerome Boger, they had that mix-up on a touchdown that Joe Burrow threw. They waved it off. The Bengals ended up winning the game anyway. But his crew wasn't allowed to officiate for the rest of the playoffs. Now, that is inconsistent. (laughs) Ron Torber was officiating the Super Bowl, and he officiated the... Uh, week 17 matchup between the Chiefs and Bengals, where we saw an egregious number of missed calls in the last half of that fourth quarter. And I'm not saying it, it, uh, well, I will say this, it dictated the end result of the game. It allowed time to run off the clock when certain penalties should have been called. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of ticky-tack calls that were called in those moments that weren't called earlier in the game. And so there was just a lot of inconsistencies and and the the fact that they were able to take that crew and allow them to officiate the biggest game of the entire season, the Super Bowl, is just insane to me. As soon as I saw him appear on the screen for a call, I was like, what the hell is that guy doing here? (laughs) Are you kidding me? So one question in that is that, do you think the amount of attention that that officiating crew got during the playoffs compared to week 17 game had to had a factor in whether they were allowed to whether they were allowed to officiate the rest of the season so like there with that week 17 game probably wasn't like holy shit look at this call compared to the divisional round right there was probably so so much social media buzz about this was such a horrendous call or this game was so bad that they should never be able to officiate the playoffs for the rest of the season um, what do you think that's got a factor in how the NFL is making that decision? Because like, you see that with everything else going on in the yeah. world, right, outside of football. Um, so 
I mean, what factor does that have going into the NFL's decision? You would hope it would factor at least a little bit. Um, uh, you know, whether or not that person gets an opportunity to coach in a or ref official officiate whatever the term is officiate in a big game like that. Um, if they're if they're not doing their job up to snuff up to par then they shouldn't be allowed to be in those games. Now, I understand the reason why they took Jerome Boger's crew off the playoffs. I agree with that. But the, it comes back to consistency. It's like, you know, if you're going to do that for them, do that for the other crew that screwed up right. earlier in the season. You know what I mean? Right. So there's so, no set standards, really. Exactly. It, you know, it's That's just the how they feel at, at the time. It's, it's wild west. Yeah, in case, in case, in case. Yeah. You know, they're just making decisions off the fly. And if, I mean, you could probably make the assumption or the assertion that the the removal of the, uh, what would we say, Jerome Boger, mm -hmm. of that crew may have had something to do with that week 17 call and how much attention that got. You go one to two weeks later, something similar happens, and the NFL goes, we have to make a stand Very this true. time because yeah. we didn't two That's weeks true. ago. Very true. So that could have been in an answer to what happened earlier. Mm. That could be fair. And then, uh, I don't know, it's, it, it, I, I definitely understand that. I mean, it's always like the second person gets caught. You know what I right, mean? Right, right, right. Like, that's that's always been the truth with it. So, um, Jerome Boger, unfortunately, his him and his crew became the example uh, for what not to do in officiating. And so, I guess, you know, if you look at it that way, you just have to be appreciative that the NFL did act on it, I guess. I mean, if there's a silver lining And, to and it. <laughs> if that's setting the standard, right, you know, maybe next year that's going to be the level of accountability. If you have a, a, a piss-poor called game and you get, uh, whether it's a one-week suspension, if you want to call it, or, or one-week unpaid, that's going to raise some eyebrows. And I, I think that those <clears throat> officials will definitely be questioning oh, holding flags and, and, and going back on missed calls. So right. maybe that's a step in the right direction, but I think it's a fair assumption that the NFL knows it needs to be addressed and, and hopefully we see something in this offseason because no one wants to see this trend continue. Right. We're putting a lot of faith in the NFL here. Yeah, a lot of faith in Roger Goodell. <laughs> yeah. No one wants to put that much faith in Goodell. I mean, yeah, he's a <laughs> crook. If, if anything happens, like you know, that officiate crew can just offer him a hundred k, and he'll be like, "Yep, you guys are back." <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, really? Yeah, come on in. I got a signed football from OJ Simpson. You want it? <laughs> <laughs> so let's take a look at some of these off-season rumors. They're flying around. The rumor mill is cranking them out daily. Just kind of looking at the uh, the first one here on our list, it's the Colts. The Colts have already kind of publicly announced that they're going to shop Carson Wentz. I think they need to stick with their guns a little bit. They gave up a, a first-round pick. That's a lot to give up for a player. And he carries, I think, about half of his cap hit is guaranteed. So if they do trade him, they're still on the hook for like $14 million. So if you trade him, pick up another quarterback, you know, you really got to add $14 million to whatever you're paying to that quarterback and think, is it worth it? So looking from a player standpoint, it's gone. You, I, From a player standpoint, I think you got to get rid of Wentz because he's going back into Indy next year if he stays with no desire to play for that organization. And then, no, you know, I don't, I'm not sure what the gel is within him and his teammates, but there's going to be a fucked up morale throughout that team mm -hmm. thinking that, um, you know, if they're willing to shop Wentz after one year and giving up so much for him, you know, what are they going to do with me next no year loyalty. or this year? You know what I mean? So I, from a player standpoint, I think the Colts completely fucked themselves already this offseason. 
Yeah, I think that was a, a knee-jerk reaction to Wentz was really held accountable going down the line. The Colts were in the driver's seat, and if you look at those last three to four weeks, Wentz is definitely catching a lot of that blame. He didn't play up to snuff. He made a few Carson Wentz-type mistakes. Yep. Yep. Um, so, you know, it's it's hard to blame Ursay and the Colts to, to want to jump ship so early. But you have to look at your player personnel, your entire roster, and it was probably the better move to say we're we're locking with Wentz, keeping him through the contract. Shit happens. Right. We support our decision and our quarterback, and and they've already screwed the pooch there. So, yep. um, if if you're looking at next season, I I don't see the Colts playing up to stuff the way they did this past year. Not if Wentz isn't there. I don't. I don't know that they could acquire another quarterback to get them to that level. Um, not to say. I mean, obviously they didn't make the playoffs. So if they don't make the playoffs next year, they're in the same boat. But you know, they were at least in the conversation for a great deal of that. And you know, to your point, that those last three weeks, he did not play very well at all. Right. Um, you know, he was. They were. He was throwing less than two hundred yards a game. In those last few weeks, uh, I'd, I'd say you know it was mostly Jonathan Taylor that was keeping him in those games. And for whatever reason, in that Jaguars game, Frank Reich decided to abandon the run game and trust in Wentz, and it totally backfired. So you know that could just be you know again a knee jerk reaction, as you said, and uh, just uh, a reaction from the bad taste that was left in their mouth from losing to a division rival, a piss poor division rival. Uh, to to cost you your shot at the playoffs, which I I mean speaking for for me as a Chiefs fan, I don't think any team wanted to see the Colts in the playoffs. Uh, to be honest with you, their defense was great, their run game was great. They are a team that was built for playoff football, which traditionally is seen with you know a strong run game and, and a really strong defense. So I think a lot of people were thankful that they didn't make it, but uh, you know that's a that's a huge fumble on Carson Wentz's behalf. Agreed. So the Saints, they're also thinking about moving on from Michael Thomas. They could be on the hook for some money there. Um, you know, we don't have to spend too much time on him. We haven't really seen him play the last two seasons, so I don't know that it'd be a huge loss for the Saints to get rid of him. Yeah, I think that's automatic for the Saints, and especially if you don't know what your situation is going to be with the quarterback. Even if you want to stick with either one of those guys that they got down there, Neither one of those guys is taking you to the Super Bowl, right? Or right. taking you to the championship. So you might as well move on from the big-time wide receiver, get some cash back. Their cap situation's already fucked, so get some young guys. Mm -hmm. Go out and sign a couple guys on defense or whatever it may be, or try to go get that big quarterback and try to rebuild You know, on top of what, uh, what they already have. But, yeah, that's a kind of a no-brainer for me. Yeah, I think if you're the Saints, uh, Michael Thomas has said that he has no interest in playing there at this point. Um, yeah. So why so why spend the money on him? If if you're the Saints, you're trying to keep every dollar in your pocket. It's looking all signs point to probably a, a two to maybe four year rebuild. I mean they're in a really shitty situation right now. So I, I I say you cut ties and and recoup what you can. I mean I think like you said it's a no brainer. I don't neither side wants to be with each other. So yeah, let's get out. And right. it's funny Sean Payton totally screwed this team's cap situation and roster and then tuck tail and Bolted. ran he's like all right i'm out yeah <laughs> yeah still under contract and 
and you know, there's even rumors rumors about him taking a year off, getting through his yeah. contract, yeah. and then going and jumping with someone else. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he did exactly that. He runs up a cap to keep Drew Brees for an extra few years, brings in a little bit of talent, spends some money, and then he's like, well, this didn't work out. See you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so there's three other teams that could have some new quarterbacks on their roster or maybe offloading them. The Packers, they still don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. His contract, I think, technically voids uh, as part of that restructuring that he did to come back for this year. Uh, we don't know what he's going to do. He's off doing cleanses and whatever the hell else he does, playing with his toes, that he's kind of thing. He's immunized, bro. Yeah, <laughs> dealing with his immunizations. <laughs> then you've got the Niners and the Texans who are looking to trade their quarterbacks, obviously for different reasons. Um, but Deshaun Watson, probably going to get shopped. Jimmy Garoppolo could get shopped. But, you know, there's been some reports lately that, you know, maybe the Niners don't trust Trey Lance as much as, as they did when they drafted him to lead that team this year. Um, so I'm really interested to see how it shakes out for those two teams, um, you know, as far as those quarterback situations are going to play out. What are you thinking? I, I, is are you guys thinking that Rogers sticks with the Packers? Do the Packers have the best shot at landing him, or is he being shopped? I mean, the the Tampa Bay Bucks seem to be like a a really good option for him as a player, depending how the Bucks cap space looks, if they're willing to spend the money to make a, another run because they've got a lineup that all they need is a quarterback, and who better to grab than? the guy yeah yeah and he can go down to florida and join the immunized community i mean he'd fit in in like a glove down there man (laughs) the immunized community i like oh i love that yeah (laughs) you know i i think that could be a great fit you know it's it's really similar to when tom brady left the patriots i was one of the first that i heard at least i was like you know tom brady might go to tampa bay they've got great receivers they've got a good offensive line they've got a solid defense and, you know, even though they've got some free agents that are going to hit the market this year, the the truth remains that they have those things still. And on top of that, you know, I could see Aaron Rodgers going to a place like Pittsburgh where, you know, they're just a quarterback away as well with their roster. And a lot of rumors suggest he'll go to Denver, which, you know, if he's smart, he won't do that. Right. Why the F would yeah. you go to the AFC, let alone a division that features Mahomes, Herbert, and honestly, Derek Carr is you know, middle of the pack as far as court. I'd say yeah. he's a almost, higher side almost of the top pack. 15. Yeah. 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 I, I would even put him in the top 15 yep, if you're agreed. looking at quarterback. So, yep. um, you know, that's not an easy division by any means. Even though that team may be poised for a run with a quarterback, if you're Aaron Rodgers, he seems to be taking the easy route with a lot of things, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I think the Broncos are are the media's pipe up. They're they're wanting to hype that up as much as they can because <laughs> it would be really cool for for the NFL and for the media to look at the AFC to West talk about with <laughs> with Rodgers. But if you're Aaron Rodgers, how does the Broncos make sense? I mean, they have an a so-so roster. They've got some decent receivers. Um, they've got a lot of cap space. They've got a pretty good defense, but it's not as appetizing as a Pittsburgh Steelers or a Tampa Bay Bucks. So I think if you're Rodgers, uh, it looks to me like your three options are we're going to ride it out one more year in Green Bay, or I think Pittsburgh or Tampa are, are number one and number two. The only number one where Denver is is through the media is, is my take on it. <laughs> yeah, I think he's done in, uh, in Green Bay. I think he's worn out 
um, with this situation up there, whether it's with the front office or it's with losing in the playoffs every single every single year since he's won the Super Bowl, right? I think that wears on him. Um, I I personally see the Denver fit. I, I see it from his coaching staff leaving Green Bay and going down to Denver. Oh yeah. And I think he I think he thinks that he plugs in there well. And with the cap space, they can maybe make some moves this offseason and be productive in the AFC. Um, and I, I feel like guys want to leave their conference after a while. They want to go see what the other side tastes like. You know, mm-hmm. what what is, what is it like in the AFC? What's it like to battle those guys every year? Is Aaron Rodgers that guy? Probably not. Like your point, you, he likes to find the easy road, you know? So, you know, I'm not really sure what Rodgers' plan is. That The Instagram post that he put out the, a couple <laughs> nights ago was so fucking weird like you need <laughs> I, I need uh i need nicholas cage to decipher that or some shit yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, we need someone on his level to tell us what he means by that yeah right but uh yeah I, i'm not sure what roger's plan is gonna be now it seemed like a peace out appreciate appreciate you guys but i have to go that's kind of what i deciphered from it just kind of you know reading about it and seeing what he's had to say um even though he went on Pat McAfee show and said, you know, I'm, I'm non-committal. I'm not going to make a decision, that kind of thing. Um, you know, you have to be looking at it and I really, you know, do see that fit as well. What you said about the coaching staff, I totally forgot Nathaniel Hackett got hired as their, their head coach, who was his offensive coordinator for so long. And I know that he brought a few other pieces over there with him. So it would make sense. And, and the, the Broncos have the cap room. They've already been talking about shopping one of their receivers so if they do that, they could realistically sign Devontae Adams too. Um, so, you know, which I see Devontae Adams going to the Raiders. We can talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, <clears throat> speaking of those receivers, there's two guys that, um, you know, could also be on the move. It's Calvin Ridley with the Falcons and Jarvis Landry in Cleveland. Um, Ridley's in the last year of his rookie deal with the Falcons, who are poised for another rebuild. <laughs> and Jarvis a couple Landry, of years ago, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Jarvis Landry has uh, no guarantees left in his contract. He's rapidly approaching thirty, and Cleveland it looks like maybe stalling out. Uh, to be honest with you, I think they have a very talented roster, but you know they've already moved some pieces out of town, and they didn't make the playoffs last year. Although you know Baker Mayfield was very much injured. Yeah, the whole um, season. The whole season, like start to finish. Yeah, right. His best game was against us yep. week one. Yeah. And from then on out, it was just, you know, it looked like a guy that maybe sat in a wheelchair for six days and then came out and played on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, it's just kind of, it'll be interesting to see what they do with those guys. Uh, I think both will end up getting traded, to be honest with you. What do you guys think? I don't see Jarvis Landry in Cleveland either. Um, I think they try to go hit that big guy, the big, the big, uh, big name receiver. I think they try to, you know, salvage what they do have in Cleveland because they do have a pretty good roster. I mean, if you look at their defense, it it underperformed last year after what we saw um, two years ago. So I think they, I think Cleveland believes in what they have, and, and once again, we're going back to the same division, right? You have to play a tough division year in and year out. And you have to have that solid defense to be able to play against those those quarterbacks. I guess Big Ben's not hanging around. Not that he was <laughs> anything special last yeah, year. Right. But um, outside of that, Ridley's gone. I think the Falcons kind of scrap everything, even some of their front office 
I don't know. That's probably too late for that. Um, but uh, I think they scrapped <laughs> they pretty much last year. all of what they got. <laughs> yeah, and, and um, that sucks for Matty Ice because he's going to have to deal with that shit if he wants to hang around in the NFL for another couple of years. So he's going to yeah. have to be a part of a rebuild. So, And he obviously doesn't have more than two years left left in him, right? So, Two quality years, I agree. Right. And I, I agree with both of you guys. I, I think neither Landry nor Ridley is on the team that they're on now. It's come week one next year. Um, <clears throat> t- starting with Jarvis Landry, uh, he was a reception machine whenever he was with – it was a not great team before, yeah. before the Browns, and he was a, a reception king. And he goes and he's not doing the same production under Baker, and and he saw his good friend OBJ leave Baker, right. and look what happened. I mean, OBJ gets to really producing. Yeah. So there are a ton of quarterbacks and a ton of rosters that I think Jarvis Landry makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you guys said, uh, the the Falcons are smart to go ahead and get rid of Ridley. That way, they again get as much cap room as they can, start your rebuild again. Yeah. Uh, and if you're Calvin Ridley, you are you're sitting there begging to leave anyways. So right. Yeah. There yeah. are there are a lot of good options for Ridley. Uh, maybe even in their own division, um, there there's going to be some room there potentially if other teams move pieces. So. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's look at this free agent market. Um, starting with some of the bigger names. Uh, there's there's some players I think are going to go back to their their respective teams oh, yeah. that they're leaving. Um, Von Miller, I truly believe that he's going to go back to Los Angeles. I think you know the 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 chemistry that those guys built over there in that locker room. Um, it'd be hard for him to leave, and he even said it after the Super Bowl victory. He didn't feel like he had anything more that he was playing for at any point in his career than he did this season. Um, not just for his own personal reasons, but also for the team and the guys that he had around him. You know, he had a true appreciation for those guys in that locker room. So as much as I would like to see him in a Chiefs uniform, I think he does have a lot to play for here in Kansas City as well, with Derek Thomas being his childhood favorite player. Um, and, and he's spoken very highly of Patrick Mahomes as well. I just truly see him being retained with the Rams. No, I, I think I agree 100% with that. Yeah, I, I'm on the same page. I agree. Von Miller is an extremely intelligent NFL player. He's mm-hmm. going to work free agency, uh, but I think the Rams know what they have. And yeah. Von Miller, they've got a couple guys that can restructure, and I think he is a, a key piece for them to retain. Um, I, I think he starts week one with the Rams. Absolutely. And then looking at some of these other names, I mean, you've got Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, Tyron Matthew, Allen Robinson, Chandler Jones, and that's just, you know, some of those bigger, bigger names. That doesn't even include a lot of these other pieces like some of these linemen. You've got J.C. Jackson, Stephon Gilmore. I mean, there's a lot of big-name players that are hitting the market, and, you know, I, I see a lot of potential fits for these guys, but I think, you know, Tyron Matthew, likely his best fit is here in Kansas City. I don't see him with another team. But then, and then Chris Godwin, same story. I think he his best fit is in Tampa, going back with that team, especially coming off an ACL injury. I think he'll want to at least sign another one-year deal with them, build up some stocks so that he can hit free agency again. Um, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of teams that I think could acquire some of these players, some of these bigger names like Devontae Adams. I see him going to the Raiders, playing with his college teammate and Derek Carr. Uh, Chandler Jones possibly going to the Bills. They're a contender. They need edge rush help. Um, Patriots retaining J.C. Jackson, although we've seen kind of the 
contrary lately. <clears throat> Patriots retaining J.C. Jackson, although we've seen kind of the contrary lately. Um, it could be something that, that pans out. So, I mean, you're just looking at these big names, and, and there's a good chance that they, they stay home. Yeah, I could see that, too. I think they're uh, this might be one of the more mild um, off-seasons we've seen um, in the last couple of years, just based on, you know, last season was pretty wild. You know, thank you, Aaron Rodgers, for that. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I'm on board with most of these. I, I think the most movement we're going to see is with the defensive side of the ball. Um, as And this is probably going to be a trend we see, you know, for a long time or for the, the, the near future is that teams are going to try to build a defense that's built to beat Josh Allen, that's built to beat Pat Mahomes, that's built to beat – you know, whatever quarterback and system that they have to go up against potentially three times a year, you know, they don't want to lose those three games because those three games, you know, that final one could be the end of your season, obviously. But right. um, those two losses in one year, I mean, that 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 change that swings things for you as far as what your status is in the playoffs. But um, that that's where I see, and I see you have a lot of draft coming out of uh, um, outside of the Chiefs, I guess. I guess we'll talk about this in a bit, but I see that. Um, heavy offense, you know, guys are going to look to to build their offense out of the draft and, and defense um, through vets. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a couple really interesting names on this list, starting with Teron Armstead. I, you've got the Bengals here. That's a fantastic fit. I mean, uh, we've talked about it multiple times. That's a huge need for the Bengals. Mm -hmm. That would be a massive sign for them. Huge. Um, I, I kind of disagree on the J.C. Jackson. I think uh, the Patriots forked out a lot of money last year. Their defense has been good for years. Bill Belichick is very confident in his ability to coach and prosper and draft players. Sure is. Um, and he's proven time and time again he's, he's not willing to pay a premium price. Uh, I think J.C. Jackson is going <clears> to <throat> shop it. I think he has a, a decent chance of, of landing somewhere else. Um, and then one of the names on here that everyone, I think, in, in this territory is going to love is Allen Robinson. Uh, <laughs> he makes, we talked a little bit before the show, He makes he's the perfect ad for the Chiefs, and if they can restructure it and find a way, that's an exciting move. That's a big move, um, and that is a, a probably much-needed piece for that uh, that already electric offense, The that guy that can be a, a constant 10 to 15-yard-per-clip guy. Mm -hmm. That would be huge. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, he's that big body that we need, and I know you said that during during the pre-show when we were kind of hashing out all these topics here. Um, and we can dive a little deeper into the Chiefs' uh, with best fits and, and some of those other pieces, but Allen Robbins would be a huge ad. Oh, yeah. A huge ad, and I think he's going to command a good salary. What I'm most excited about Allen Robinson in this first real opportunity to hit the free agent market is the opportunity for him to find a quarterback yeah. that he can actually play with he's never had it he's had guys like Bortles and um you know Mitch Trubisky and and you know just not premier level guys throwing right. him the ball but he's still been able to piece together you know thousand yard campaigns and put up double digit touchdowns and do all of those things that a number one receiver should do right without the backing of a quarterback like that so to see him in a real offense, I mean, that's got to just get you all fired up. Oh, yeah, 100%. <clears throat> so there are also some, some trade candidates, which we talked about a lot of guys on this list already. Um, but a couple, there's just a couple I really want to highlight here. It's First of all, it's Amari Cooper. 
Amari Cooper likely is going to get shopped by the Dallas Cowboys. They have a number one receiver in CeeDee Lamb. Yep. And they're in a bad cap situation right yeah, now. Yeah, they're going to owe him to... a lot of money. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think his, his cap hit that's due to hit this year is north of $20 million. They could save roughly 15 or so million by trading him and that would alleviate almost all of their debt just right off the bat uh, not to mention what they could do with Zeke Elliott so you know rebuilding that offense is something I think 100% could happen and you know we could see Amari Cooper go to a team like maybe go back to the Raiders or anything like that where you know <clears throat> the Cowboys are able to shop him and I think if he goes anywhere it's going to be an AFC team you know they're not trying to make their job any more difficult over there in the NFC yeah absolutely a couple names that, that pop out to me here is Russ Wilson I know there's a lot of conversation about him even the last couple of years on whether he still wants to be in Seattle um, I, I think he genuinely genuinely wants to be in Seattle and wants to play for Seattle, but I think he's also wanting to go find that second ring. You know, I think he wants what, that one more opportunity. You know, he, he the numbers are getting slimmer for Russ Wilson, right? He's not twenty six years old twenty six years old anymore. So he's I think he himself wants to obviously chase that, but I, I'm not sure if Seattle is ready to move on from Russ Wilson. Second one here is Christian McCaffrey. I think Carolina is absolutely going to be shopping him around, trying to find what deals they can find or get for Christian McCaffrey, just based on um, what product productivity he's had when he's healthy, and uh, that kind of a big question mark that hangs over his head. And what can your team produce with a guy like Christian McCaffrey? And there's probably a handful of teams out there that probably need that one more guy to plug in and be. Um, an automatic candidate to win their division or, you know, win, uh, win the AFC or win the NFC. Yeah, and you said it best, really. It's when he's healthy. You know, that's been the big question mark the last two seasons. Obviously, we saw what he could do when he was healthy. That's what earned him the huge contract that he's currently under uh, when he was healthy as a rookie in 17, 18, and 19. <clears throat> now, in 20, we saw him play three games. This year, we saw him play maybe five. Right. Um, all of those games, he was spectacular. You know, even finishing the game with the injury that he sustained, you know, when he actually did get hurt, he was still being productive on the field through that. So, you know, he's a resilient player. He's just had a, a spell of bad luck, I would call it. Um, you know, I, I, I hope that's what it is. Obviously, a player like Christian McCaffrey, you, you're rooting for him. I think he's a good guy. And I think he, you know, has the ability to really dominate a football field. I mean, the guy caught 100 passes one of his seasons and has the ability to be a 1,000 and 1,000 kind of guy, 2,000 oh, yeah. all-purpose oh, yeah. yards. So, you know, looking at some of his fits, unfortunately, if the Panthers wheel him and deal him, he's going to a team that maybe isn't quite ready to contend, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree. I think... Christian McCaffrey makes a lot of sense for the Panthers to want to deal, but how many teams are going to, A, be able to afford him, B, want to, to fork out the money that it's going to take? I, I think Christian McCaffrey has one more year with the Panthers, likely. I think if you're a, a GM somewhere, you, you want to see him at least play 10 games. Mm -hmm. um, I think the Panthers probably learned that giving, giving um, Christian McCaffrey – 300 plus touches in a season isn't going to work yeah. uh he's too too he, he can't take that many hits in a season no running back should 
Right. Um, I think that he's likely probably going to see the Panthers at least one more season. Um, you guys mentioned, I think, some of the most interesting names on this list, uh, Russell Wilson. I think it's a, a really a really interesting fit to see him in, in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, Jalen Hurts put up a decent season. But yeah. uh, imagine that team with a guy with the accuracy and the deep ball that, that Russell Wilson can throw. Um, I think that Seattle probably knows they're they're toward the end of that stretch with both Pete Carroll yep. and Russell. Yep. Um, and if Russell has a conversation with Pete and he knows that Pete's about done, yeah. he's a guy that can definitely be dealt. Um, and I think Amari Cooper has n- no chance of being on the Cowboys come, yeah, come week one next year. There's some really good targets. A guy we talked about a few minutes ago, Chris Godwin, could be a big piece to that puzzle if he does go elsewhere. Yep. The Buccaneers become a great fit for Amari Cooper. Um, a team like the Baltimore Ravens, if they've got the cap space, becomes a really appealing mm-hmm. target for an Amari Cooper, the, a team that's really lacking a yeah. number one guy. Um, that's that's probably a guy they're watching, maybe uh, a Michael Thomas or Calvin Ridley. I think yep. Baltimore could be a dark horse for mm-hmm. any Agreed. of those guys because they need yeah. him. I could see Calvin Ridley getting dealt there. Um, but I could also see, honestly, which is a team that I didn't even think about, Christian McCaffrey would be a fantastic fit in Baltimore. Uh, they do a lot of screens, the way that they play that offense. you know. Um, I think it would be a nice outlet for Lamar Jackson to have, not to have to rely on the deep ball, or if he's throwing it short, it's usually going to one guy. That's Mark Andrews. To have that ability there, um, you know, it'd be it'd be really interesting to see how that offense would play out. And they have pieces that they they could send to to Carolina for him. Uh, now, whether or not they have the cap space for that, you know, that remains to be seen. I, I think Baltimore sold on J.K. Dobbins. I think they it's just a matter of him being healthy. And his injury was a fluke deal this year in the I preseason. So, but he could be one of those tickets that help move things along and get Christian McCaffrey up to Baltimore. Maybe he goes down to um, Carolina, or maybe it's a three-team deal and he goes to somewhere else, or you know, he goes to Comes L.A. To City. I wouldn't, dude. I wouldn't mind that. He's a stud. He is a stud. We could have just drafted him, but we we won't talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not fun to talk about. So let's chief, my guy. Let's chief. Uh, This is brought to you by E Coffee. They're a KC local coffee company. We Trey and I were always drinking. That's how our morning starts. Starts with a cup of E. Check out their website. It's www.eeroastscoffee.com. Dot com. They've also got an Instagram, at EE Roast Coffee, all kinds of social media, different content that they're putting out. Not to mention, they source their beans from all over the world, Ethiopia, Congo. They've got beans from Colombia. Roasting them here locally in Kansas City, packaging them and distributing, distributing them from Kansas City as well. So if you want to start your morning right, go order a bag of e-coffee. You won't regret it. Absolutely, yeah, that's good stuff. So jumping into it, Dan... Chiefs free agents going into this year. The O line, which we just rebuilt, we will take. We will need some work to keep that going. Um, left tackle Orlando Brown Jr. He's going to be a free agent. Mike Rimmers on the right side. Andrew Wiley, Kyle Long, which we didn't see any of this year. <laughs> Not once. Um, Austin Blythe, just for the O line guys, <clears throat> and then skill positions. We got quite a few here. Um, 
Jarek McKinnon is the one that pops out to me here. And Daryl Williams, really, he's a stud, too. Mm-hmm. But Jarek McKinnon, the last part of the season, was an absolute unit, man. That guy falls forward. He loves contact, which I love that out of a running back. I don't think he's going to be demanding a lot of money at all. And I think he wants to come back come back to Kansas City. And I think the coaching staff is going to want a guy like Jarek McKinnon back on the staff. He was great in the passing game, too. Right. Um, just watching him play. And, you know, he was fresh throughout that whole playoff run. And seeing him, you know, <laughs> feed into that contact. I oh, love that man, shit too. I love That's that shit, dude. Old, old school smash mouth football. Watching him go after it with those guys on the edge and when he catch those bubble screens or whatever and just drill his shoulder into that linebacker or that corner, it was nice to see for sure. <clears throat> so fullback Mike Burton, this dude uh, has filled the shoes, if you ask me, of uh, the Shermanator, the sausage from last <laughs> year. Um, I have thoroughly enjoyed that guy. And he was, I think, 9 for 9 on, uh, was it third down or fourth downs this year? Yeah. Which I'll take 100% all day of the week, right? You got a couple touchdowns out of the deal, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then wide receiver uh, Pringle. I'm all right with Pringle coming back. I think he plugs in well. He's got some work to do. We said the same thing about uh, McCole Hartman last year. But I, I do have more faith in Pringle going into the, his future than I did McCole Harmon. Demarcus Robinson, I don't want to speak about him ever again in Kansas City. <laughs> uh, Marcus Kemp, um, he's a young guy. He's got some work to do as well. I think if we build the the wide receiver core through the offseason, I, I think uh, two or th- maybe all all three of these guys we won't see back in Kansas City next year. Um, and uh, tight end Joey Fortson, I'm big on this guy, man. He's a stud. He's got great hands. He's He's uh, got phenomenal hand-eye coordination. Um, Blake Bell has been a utility player, which seems like all Kansas City skill players end up being utility players at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy took some snaps um, under center this year, so um, that's always nice to see as well. Yeah, one of those plays we can scrap. <laughs> that one where we got shut down on that third and one against Buffalo, that was a little tough to see. Um, but I like Blake Bell. You know, I think he was a good utility player, like you said. You really said it best. Um, and when Travis Kelsey... You know, he kind of got banged up at different points in the season. He never missed a game, uh, but there were times where we had to bench him for a little bit, and he filled in really well. Yeah. And I really think that was a role that was meant for Jody Fortson this year, but he tore his Achilles pretty early on, and it was an obvious hit to that tight end room. You know, all those guys were feeling for him. Uh, he has a really good connection with the locker room as a whole, and I think it'd be really important to to bring him back into the fold uh, because he is so athletic. He's 6'6", very fast, great hands, as you mentioned already, and he can run routes pretty well, too. He's actually a wide receiver that transitioned right. yep. into the tight end position uh, for this year. So I think that was an experiment that was actually going to pan out if it wasn't for a freak injury. Yep, agreed. I think if you're if you're the Chiefs, you definitely are looking at that tight end position. Travis Kelsey has had a huge <laughs> workload for a oh, big yeah. body. Um, and you guys can answer how many seasons he's been doing this at that volume. Yeah, It's going to be a, a Rob Gronkowski-type situation if they want to keep him. You need a, a guy that can step in that's athletic. Um, I don't know too much about either of these guys, but you're going to have to start looking in the next, uh, maybe next year, two, three seasons. You're going to need someone to take some of that workload, and you don't want to skip a beat because 
Mahomes <laughs> loves his tight end, and you got to have a guy that can sit behind Kelsey and learn how to find those pockets and play that part. Yeah. Right. And somebody that's not on here, um, I mean, he's not a free agent. We just drafted him this year, is is Noah Gray. And he's an yeah. absolute stud. You I like know? that kid. And I think he plugs right into how Travis Kelsey plays ball. And if he can just learn from Travis Kelsey for the next two or three years, um, then we're going to be in phenomenal hands with Noah Gray because he, he's, like I said, he's a he's a unit, man. Yeah, he's he's a stud, and he honestly reminded me a lot of Kelsey whenever I was watching some of his college tape, uh, just the way that he moves, uh, how how fast he is, and, and just the the style that he plays in, you know. Um, it was very reminiscent of that. And we actually got to see him catch a couple touchdowns this year, which was nice too. Yep, yep. <clears throat> Looking at the defensive side of things, we do have a couple free agents over there as well. Melvin Ingram on the defensive line, which he's technically a linebacker uh, on the roster sheet. And then there's also Jaron Reed, Alex Okafor, and Derek Nottie. Derek Nottie being one of those guys that we drafted a few years ago. So, you know, he does a lot of great things in the community. So I'd really like to see him come back, the stuff that he's able to do for the KC Pet Project and getting helping get dogs adopted and things like that. That's something that resonates with me as someone who's adopted two dogs myself so um you know it's pretty it'd be pretty sad to see him go and i think he's great in the run game i, I do too i think he <clears> plugs <throat> in well our defense and i think melvin melvin ingram's a no-brainer for me yeah i agree with that i mean he he really showed out to be one of the mvps on that side of the ball um you know it it, it would help bolster that pass rush for sure two guys at linebacker position that you know i'm not too you know, Dorian O'Daniel's good at special teams. He didn't really play a whole lot in actual defensive settings. Ben Neiman, he can go for sure. <laughs> I am, I mean, I I can count on, you know, all my fingers and toes how many tackles and plays this guy has missed <laughs> in just one game this past year. So. The words that came out of your mouth did not describe the face that you made when, as you were speaking them. <laughs> I know, I just had a pure pain and disgust. Yeah come up i'm really trying to be kinder <laughs> to plead to people and I, I i just don't have anything good to say about ben neiman i think the dorian o'daniel i was i was super hype on him two years ago because he put came in the uh, preseason he looked great he could yeah. play like a kind of a rover position like kind of what let jerry sneed plays not without the man coverage mm -hmm. um but he he plays fast and he plays hard and i think he stays on the chiefs just because of special teams yeah i think I he's mean, got a place there dave tobe likes to keep those guys on yep. staff that's why marcus kemp has been here so long you know, um, he's he's still a young guy, Marcus Kemp is, but he's basically been like an undrafted one-year deal kind of guy every year that we bring him back. <clears throat> Looking on the defensive back side of things, it's Charvarius Ward, Mike Hughes, Chris Lamons, who just got arrested, so I don't think he's coming back. Uh, <laughs> Tyron Matthew, Dan Sorensen, and Armani Watts. So we've got a couple of guys that, you know, they can definitely go their separate ways for sure. Dan Sorensen, Armani Watts, maybe he comes back. Um, Mike Hughes, I really don't see coming back. He was kind of an experimental, first former first round pick kind of guy. One of those guys Veach likes to take chances on. You know, it was it was a low risk, high reward kind of situation. Yep, and there were times where Hughes played well. There were a lot of, more times where Hughes did not play that well. Yep. You know, Gabriel Davis scored four touchdowns on him in that <laughs> Bills game. Yep. So I mean, the dude. It might be the best juke move I've ever seen because Gabriel Davis did nothing and Mike Hughes flew back 10 yards on one of those touchdowns. I was like, I just remember being in the stands and being like, what the hell is he doing? Falling on the ground yeah. for no reason. 
Uh, two guys that are going to be a big loss if we don't bring them back is Charvarius Ward and Tyron Matthew. Okay. Tyron Matthew being the biggest loss, potentially, of all of our free agents. He he has to be the one that's the highest priority. Agreed, 100%. <clears throat> I think uh, between Tyron Matthew and Melvin Ingram, I think those two guys are definitely got a good shot at coming back to the Chiefs. They've They've got a solidified piece to the puzzle. Um, I think if you're the Chiefs, you don't want to lose either of them. Uh, Charvarius Ward is a is an interesting piece. He he kind of showed up big a couple times in this past season. Um, I think he's a player that if they've got the space and they can make it happen, he's worth grabbing. Um, I think I know we talked about this before the show. Dan Sorensen is uh, I think everyone is like kind of just buying plane tickets for him. Like, <laughs> hey, do you want to go check out Miami? I'll buy the tickets. Yeah, right. You should go down there and see how nice it is. Yeah, they're, they're paying folks to lose down there, so you yeah. get you a bonus <laughs> down there, man. I, I want to send them somewhere else. I want to send them to, honestly, I want them to go to your team, Shock. I want them to go to Buffalo. Yeah, I, right. I want you guys to experience the pain that we felt from Dan Sorensen uh, outside of just like, you know, and that's not to say he was totally terrible all the time. He did make the game-saving play against the Browns uh, during that uh, divisional playoff game. And there's things that he has done. You know, he kind of was the closer for a while. But for every fantastic play, there's ten bad ones right, on his right, resume. Right. So, Too much of a liability. So I think oh he, he spent his time here, and I think all Chiefs fans will, will say, all right, thanks for your time, but we'll uh, politely decline the extension. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So looking at some in-house moves, we've already seen one happen just the other day. Anthony Hitchens was cut from the Kansas City Chiefs, saving us about $8.4 if I'm not mistaken, in cap room. Um, Frank Clark being another big cut candidate, it remains to be seen what we're going to do about him. I am, I mean, it's. I'm kind of on board for restructuring and keeping him if it's for the right price tag. If it's for like you know, fourteen to fifteen million, I guess, since that's kind of what his guarantee's sitting at. But if we're not able to get him down to just the bare minimum on the guarantee, then he's got to go. Yeah, I, I think you draft this position, so I'm out on Frank Clark. I think he's an automatic cut for me. Yeah, I, I don't blame you Especially for that Especially if Mel, Melvin, Melvin Ingram signs with the oh, Chiefs again. We don't need him for sure if Ingram no, comes right. back. And we could bring in a, a guy with that $12 million, a yeah. guy like Von Miller yeah. for a one-year deal or Chandler Jones or someone like that. Chandler Jones would be sweet. Oh, man, he's a beast. Yeah. <laughs> looking at some people that are extension-worthy, I'm really just looking at Tyreek Hill. Uh, he's in his contract year this coming season. He'll be 28. Maybe another two to three years, uh, if not maybe four even, of primetime football left yep. for Tyreek. I think, you know, his speed is going to decline, and it, maybe we've already kind of seen him lose a little bit of a step. I don't know how much uh, of that was the defenses we were playing against. But, <clears throat> you know, he's shown with the way that he was able to adapt that he can catch the ball in the flat and still make things happen regardless of just, you know, running flies all the time. Right, right. So uh, we definitely need to extend him, not just to alleviate cap room, but to lock in what could potentially be a future Hall of Fame player. Oh, yeah. And it, that goes into, you know, if you sign your Allen Robinsons, you know, in three years, Tyreek Hill doesn't have to be the Tyreek Hill he was two years ago, right? He can True. be that number two, and he can, he can just be the guy that comes out of nowhere, and you're like, holy shit, we forgot about Tyreek Hill, so... I think either way, plugs into the Chiefs' offense phenomenally. Yeah, yeah. I think the Chiefs play it smart. Give him a probably about three-year extension if he if he's adamant for four years. You give him that. 
um, that gets him to kind of the, the highlight of his career. And then you've got him and Mahomes played a good deal of seasons together. And at that point, if he's willing to settle for the right price and, right. and play a, a veteran contract, he stays. And if not, you cut ties and he gets paid. Um, I think he's a I think he's a golden target to extend through the life of his you know uh, prime career. Absolutely, looking at guys that could be restructured on the Chiefs roster, there's a couple of guys whose contracts are friendly towards it. It's Patrick Mahomes, Chris Jones, and Joe Tooney. Those were really the reason why we structured those deals the way we did was to have the potential to sign other players, knowing how volatile the salary cap can be for some of these NFL teams. The Chiefs definitely have a good uh, grasp on what the smart decision is when structuring those contracts. And lucky for us, we have a good core group of players that are willing to make those sacrifices to get those other players on the roster. Um, So, you know, we could clear a lot of cap space by restructuring those three guys. That could push some guarantees, maybe add some years to those deals, but those are three guys that I wouldn't mind having on the team. Obviously, Mahomes being the biggest <laughs> one there. Yeah. <clears throat> Looking at some guys that we need to re-sign that are free agents, I mean, I'm really just narrowing it down to five guys here. Orlando Brown, Melvin Ingram, Derek Noddy, Jarek McKinnon, Tyron Matthew. I think if we're able to bring that core group of players back at the right price – use the rest of our cap space to bolster some of those other positions, use the draft. We do have a lot of early round picks this year, something that we haven't had for a while or consistently anyway as a first round pick. So if we're able to pull in some other pieces, using our draft capital and using what cap space we have left while retaining those five guys in some form or fashion, I think our roster is going to be pretty stacked going into 2022. I have a, from your guys' perspective, how important is it to to sign back maybe more than just Orlando Brown on that front five, or how much how much time did those five get together, um, or how important is it to bring back a couple of those pieces? Um, I'm I'm drawing a blank on what the center's name was, but he had a, a fairly good season. Phenomenal. Um, He's so great. Then, <laughs> so then you're, you're looking at a, a few other pieces that are coming up. Orlando Brown being the number one, but how yeah. important is it to grab you know an extra piece at tackle, maybe an extra guard, your backup center? Um, interested to hear your guys' take on getting more of that line back. I think outside of Orlando Brown, the big question mark is the right tackle. Who's going to play right tackle for the Chiefs next yeah. year? Um, Joe Tooney's definitely our guy, a left guard. Trey Smith is definitely our right guard. Dude's a, he should be he convicted of unit. felonies <laughs> for all the murders he committed this year. Um, but, yeah, I think Orlando Brown's going to have to get paid, and I think you pay for a left tackle. He's sitting in your organization right now. You don't have to go out there and search or pay extra with, with draft picks or anything for him now at this point because yeah. you already stole him from Baltimore, um, literally stole him. We should be – we you know, Brett Veach um, should have also have a felony for the, the what he did to the Brown – or uh, did for the Ravens. Ravens, yeah. <laughs> Um, so my view is the big question mark is right tackle after Orlando Brown. Yeah, and you know, uh, right tackle, we do have Lucas Niang, but he suffered a pretty big injury. Uh, I think it was like a patellar tendon, a patella tendon that he tore in that in that game against um, Cincinnati when we lost both him and Orlando Brown before the end of the fourth or first quarter. So, you know, we'll have him coming back off of injury. And, you know, Mike Rimmers and Andrew Wiley, they were good stopgap right tackles for most of the season um, in the playoffs when when those guys were kind of rotating in and out. 
But to find a right tackle, I think it needs to be done in the draft. <clears throat> you know, re-signing a guy in free agency, <clears throat> excuse me, at that position really just isn't feasible with all of the other needs that we have on this Agreed, roster right now. Yep. And we have four really strong positions. You know, if we get a rookie or maybe work another one of those lower-end veteran guys into that position, our line's going to be just fine. Um, but bolstering those positions and adding depth obviously is a huge concern, which it's something that we did last year. We didn't just sign all of those starters. We brought in guys like Kyle Long, right. Austin Blythe, brought back those other pieces, Remmers, Wiley. Uh, LDT was on the roster until we traded him halfway through the season. So, you know, we had a really deep line, and it paid dividends having that uh, when some of those guys went down. So, you know, and and Joe Tooney, I mean, that guy's fantastic. He is, man. He's he's such a stud. He slid, slid out to the left tackle spot on a whim in that Bengals game and just dominated. Trey, man, you didn't hear a peep out of Trey Hendrickson. The man broke his hand and did not miss a beat. Yeah. He had a club. Bills. He had a club, dude, and just kept grinding it out. <clears throat> yeah. Man, I, you got to love guys like that. Oh, yeah. Gruden grinder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So some free agents and trades we can focus on, man. I think it's got to be Von Miller, Chandler Jones, Melvin Ingram on the edge, J.C. Jackson, Tyron Matthew, Jesse Bates at D-back. And then on the offensive side, I'm looking at Allen Robinson, maybe Odell Beckham at the right price, D.J. Chark, Juju Smith-Schuster, and then, of course, bringing back Orlando Brown. Those are my number one uh, trade, or I'm sorry, free agent targets. There's a couple other guys we can trade for, you know, guys like Calvin Ridley, um, if we want to offload some draft picks to to bring in a guy like that. Um, but I think most of our focus needs to definitely be on the draft and maybe signing some of these veterans for affordable contracts. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I think we stick with the guys that we already know that we need to sign that are already in our core group <clears throat> of guys, and then we look, we look to the draft to make our big moves as far as what gaps are, are we missing. And I guess we can kind of move into that. And what are we looking for in the draft? You know, I think it's wide receiver, um, edge, and defensive back. Me, personally, I think it starts with defensive side of the ball. I think we we have to spend the first at least two first two rounds looking at the defensive side of the ball, plugging in a D-back, somebody that we can get, that we can absolutely rely on and be a number one cornerback um, for this team. You know, especially with what we're potentially going to lose with Charvarius Ward. When he, he was – he was that guy many times this year. We saw it against Cincinnati. You know, he had Jamar Chase one on one. You know, Jamar Chase, like top three receiver in the league yeah. this year, right? So, um, that's a big miss. And I think you got to, I got, I think you got to spend your first round draft pick um, on that. Even if you have like your big name receiver coming out of mm. Alabama, you know, you 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 got to go with what you need. And with a team like the Chiefs, we're we're talking about Super Bowl bust every year. So, what does your team need? You don't. You know, let's let's go make smart moves in the draft. I'm with you on most of that. I think edge rush and defensive back corner, those are big needs that we have going into the season. I think we can find a lot of those guys. And, you know, receiver is one of those positions where you've been able to find studs in the second and third round. But there's just three guys that if they slipped to us in the draft and we took them with the first-round pick, I would not be upset at all. Drake London out of USC, huge 6'5 receiver, pro-ready kind of guy, Chris Olave from uh, Ohio State. He's a stud. He's a stud. And then Jamison Williams, I think, you know, if he 
there's a chance that he slides out of the first round. I think it's a slim chance because of his ACL injury. But if he were to slide to us, that really is Tyreek Hill 2.0. You know what I mean? Like, that's another speedy receiver. That gives us flexibility when it comes to McCole Hardman. Maybe we offload him for another pick or something along those lines. Um, I would not be upset if we drafted any of those three receivers in the first round. But I'm with you. You know, most years, I want to see us draft almost every pick as a defensive player. Right. Because of our core offensive group. I mean, when we took Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the first round uh, last year, or two years ago, I was like, you know, I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't take some of these other running backs. I wasn't, to be honest with you, I wasn't looking at Jonathan Taylor a whole lot. I was mostly looking at J.K. Dobbins Dobbins, and DeAndre Swift. Those two guys I would have loved for us to take, but we took Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and you know I was also pissed when we didn't draft Deshaun Watson and took Mahomes, but that fucking panned out, so <laughs> <laughs> it tells you how much yeah. I know about it. <laughs> sure did. So, you know, we talked about this in the last show a little bit. Um, some of our opponents for next year, uh, this really just shows you the, the premier schedule that you get as a number one team in the NFL. Uh, we're looking at eight total playoff teams, 12 games against teams that had winning records. You know, even though the Raiders, or I'm sorry, the Chargers and the Colts did not make the playoffs last year, those guys, those two teams were in the thick of it until the very last game. Right. So you've got a lot of stiff competition coming up next year and potentially a game in Germany with the Buccaneers. I'm seeing more and more rumors and reports swirling that it's going to be us and Tampa playing. Um, Didn't they announce that today or yesterday? Was it officially announced? I thought it was. Oh, snap. Maybe not. Well, if that's the case. Well, shit, you usually know everything before I do, so (laughs) look at me go. You got me, man. You got me. Yeah, I mean, looking at that 2022 schedule, that is just uh, a powerhouse schedule full of, of primetime games obviously you play the chargers twice a year and those have been ex- super exciting games and that's ne- that's not going to stop for the next decade oh yeah you see the titans at home that's always a great matchup mike vrabel has uh, a little hunch on his shoulder about playing the chiefs he does so that'll be a good a good matchup at arrowhead you're seeing the bills and the rams at arrowhead those will be must-see tv Oh, yeah. um, and then you're looking at the 49ers, who are a sneaky good team on the road. Um, and then you're seeing the Bengals and Bucks too. So that's a, a, a schedule full. So that's why the, the Chiefs record always plays sneaky, and then they get to the playoffs, and, and they make a run every time. <laughs> right, right. Because they load a schedule like this. They're playing good teams week in and week out, so they're ready when it comes to playoff football time. Absolutely. And, and you know, we're not going to be the only team that plays this caliber. I mean, the Bills, the Bengals, um, and then uh, who, who was it out of the South? The Titans. They're going to get that, too. Yeah. They're going to get a lot of these same teams. And then, uh, you know, on the on the NFC side, we just happen to draw the toughest NFC division in football this right. year. Yep. Um, so some of these other teams are going to get a break when it comes to that. But, uh, you know, this might be one of the tougher schedules that I've seen us draw even though we've been getting top-tier competition pretty much since 2018. Right. Um, I mean, this you, is one of the tougher schedules I've seen. Yeah, I agree. And you look at the our opponents that aren't or did not make the playoffs that weren't phenomenal teams. Like, for instance, the Seahawks. Still got to play Russ Wilson. You know, yeah. I don't give a shit who you are. You still got to beat Russ Wilson. That's not easy to do, right? Um, Colts, you know, so-and-so, you, like, you already said, they were in the thick of it last year. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Texans, phenomenal team, man. I mean, they're just absolutely <laughs> lethal. Top to bottom. Yeah. They really <laughs> yeah. got it figured out. Yeah. <laughs> but then you're also, honestly, the Jaguars may surprise some people this year. Doug Peterson's taken over. They've got new leadership. They, they have a lot of money to spend. I see them making big splashes in the offseason, similar to what the Patriots did. Uh, I know you mentioned that a little bit ago, Shock. So, um, you know, that's that that's another team that, you know, could surprise some people. I don't think they're going to surprise us, but but they're they're not going to be slouches, I have a feeling. Right. I think they could make a move to be an 8-8 eight eight squad. I think Trevor Lawrence sees a massive improvement in year two. I have a very hard time believing a talent like that plays two seasons in a row the way that he right. did. Right, I agree. Um, I think, to your point, with the cap space, there's going to be an all-out duel to get to Ron Armstead. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that guy's gonna cash a huge check because there are multiple teams that have money to spend that need him on that lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean the the Jaguars will be interesting to watch. Obviously, uh, uh, Lawrence drew a, a shit draft with Urban Meyer for a shit show yes, of, yeah. of, of 2021. <laughs> uh, but I think they've got a you know they've got a couple years away, but they're not going to be the slouch they were in 2021. They've got a few injuries, but. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how the Chiefs play some of these big games, and it'll be a fun uh, fun season to watch. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. I cannot freaking wait. I think we're under 200 days now oh, wow. to, Good for uh, you. to kick off. So yeah. that's exciting. I think it's actually officially 192, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I saw it the other day. So um, last segment of the show, man, it's been fun. I, this was this was nice to get back I in agree, the swing yeah. of things. Um, it's just a hunch, and I'll start with mine. My just hunch is that the Chiefs are going to draft a receiver in the first round. I think one of those guys I mentioned, are they're going to slip to us. But I also think we're going to sign at least one big-name defensive player not named Tyron Matthew. Um, I'm not counting him. I think that's more or less going to be a re-sign. I think we're bringing in some fresh blood with this defensive player, and I'm looking at them to be an edge rusher. All right, I'll follow that up with the exact opposite. <laughs> I think Chiefs go vets on offense. I think they make big splash on offense in the offseason um, with some kind of a vet. And I think they go defense in the draft uh, with Rooks, and they kind of build a solid foundation of defense that we'll see for the next five, seven years. I like that. Yeah, to build on what I said earlier, I think, uh, going completely opposite of you guys, <laughs> the Buffalo Bills sign a big-name edge rusher. They fill a piece that they need, and I'll go ahead and say it early. Bills are going to win Super Bowl 57. Mmm, fifth time's a charm. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody know the odds for that right now? Are the Bills favored? They're probably plus 1,000. Who's favored? We are. We're the favorite, the Chiefs. And then probably Rams and then Bills? It's in that order somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. Some I mean, it's other. not that hot or not that cold of a take to be picking the Bills here. Right. But just a hunch, they're going to finally close it and put put a one in that win column in the Super Bowl. Josh Allen's going to be hungry after that last loss, man. He he looked like he was taking it hard at the ESPYS. Yeah, I mean, he's going to get one at some point. So it, it really is what it is yeah. at this point. We can't win them all, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> as we've seen. Yes. <laughs> So thank you, everybody, for listening. Austin, thank you so much for jumping on the show, man. It was a pleasure having you. Um, give us a follow on Twitter if you're listening to the show. Follow us along with with Spotify. The episodes are going to be a little bit more spaced out going into the offseason. As you saw us last offseason, we're doing one about every month or so. Um, we're going to do some free agent stuff. We're going to have another draft special. I think we're going to try and make it a little bit bigger and better than we did last year. Um Training camp, all that good stuff. You know, just follow along with us throughout the off season. And uh, 
another special announcement just to kind of wrap up the show. The Fastest 40 has entered into a partnership with the Border Fuel Sports Network. So they are going to be promoting us on some of their social media platforms. So if you see them do anything like that, give them a follow, shout out, all that stuff. I do write some content for them as well. Um, so it's been it's going to be fun joining up with them and seeing what kind of new markets we can tap into and maybe add some more guests as part of that uh, process. So appreciate everybody from listening. Trey, you got anything for them? Yeah, Austin, welcome to the show. Welcome to the family, brother. It's been a blast. I'm, I'm glad we got a show in, Dan. So uh, take, a, take a look at the show. Let's get after it, man. Yes, sir. Let's get after it.